it is time to tune up the band and holla if you hear us, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinweb Podcast. You know, they say that all podcast hosts are created equal, but you look at me, Dan and Reardon, and you look at the Deadlock Boys, and you can see that statement is not true. Hi, chaps, how you doing? <laughs> yes! Okay, we're just starting off with heat. Okay, fine. <laughs> exactly, you know. No, we know we know our place. <laughs> I've got my chainmail on. I've got my sunglasses on. I've I've just I've just I've got my trousers that in it for some bizarre reason say sixty nine in the pocket. So you know I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm already. It's okay. Look right. It look. There's levels to this game. <laughs> Listen, I am not ready. I this is probably the sickest I've been while doing a podcast. <laughs> And I have to do it on fucking. And it has to be the so. most gonzo shit that shit uh, episode. I, I legitimately think I might start hallucinating by the end of this episode. Like, well, well, it, 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 if it. To if be it honest, makes... anything involving Scott Snyder makes you feel like you have just taken crack, no matter how sober you are. Yes. True, true. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so apart from that, I mean, Rin, I know you're not you're not doing all that good, but. All right weeks for you too? Yeah, all right weeks. It's just literally I just suddenly felt very sick literally last night. Damn. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, because un- unfortunately, uh, was it three of my friends have all ended up getting the Rona? Oh, so, no. uh, oh. You know, that that's, that's an unfortunate part. Remember, uh, everybody, we are not out of the woods <laughs> just yet. We are not. Oh, yeah, we room. we are not. We we are still very much in a panna cotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panasonic. However, I can still smell things. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. So I think I think I might literally just be having a bloody like short. <laughs> yeah. I've been a very busy bee this week. I know um, you have. Uh, as well, Rocket League's back for the spring regionals. So I'm I'm right in the midst of that. Chris O'Brien, I'll get onto that later. Has come out with his two thousand video finally. <laughs> So yeah. I've been very, I've been very busy. I've also got some future stuff coming up. All that jazz, same as usual in the workshop where I am. Uh, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending fair asses. So- <laughs> you know, guys, the numbers don't lie, and they say that we are pending and always. Always will be. They spell pending for you with sacrifice. Yes. So before we, well, I say we, before me and Dad go on for three hours <laughs> about Scott Steiner. There it is. It is time to visit Dad for this week's wrestling news. Dun 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 dun. The uh, wrestling news for the mix. <laughs> wow. Let's get into it. Oh. All right. Okay, so we're going to be starting off with the big news, which is the latest crop of uh, NXT releases. Uh, as we currently understand, or at least as from what I've been able to read, uh, two of the people listed had chosen not to renew, mm-hmm. and that was the reason that they were served their release. Uh, and then the other seven out of the nine were just released straight up. Uh, so the two who denied renewal have chosen to run out their contracts were uh, Malcolm Bivens and Dakota Kai. Uh, I cannot stress what WWE have lost in Malcolm Bivens. And the fact that Malcolm Bivens was off TV for two years 
You sign him in 2019 <coughs> and you have nothing for him for two years. I am so sorry, WWE. You did not know what you had in Malcolm Bivens. Um, like, the thing is as well, though, right? That there, there was time period crossover between like Malcolm Bivens and Isaiah Swerve Scott. <laughs> I know. And that's like, the bit that <laughs> pains me. Like, all the people you had on there, you could have brought in Malcolm Bivens for Carmelo Hayes. You could have brought him in for basically anyone. Him being with Diamond Mine worked incredible. Exactly. So, like, I don't know what else you've got to, like, lose, really. You can basically put him anywhere and he'll be fine, even if that's main roster as well. Hell, I, you know what? I'm just going to say it here. here. I, I, I wouldn't even have blamed Malcolm if he said, you know what? Just give me Tim again, because we did wonders in Evolve. Just give me Timothy Thatcher again. We'll Literally do, we'll... that. <sighs> like, and you know, like people always go on about like, oh, there's these people, there's these people that don't. What, oh, dude, throw Malcolm Bivens with Ricochet. People keep saying about oh Ricochet needs someone to speak for him. He can't cut a Malcolm, promo. Yeah, okay, Malcolm but Malcolm Bivens. <laughs> Legit, like, Mal- Malcolm Bivens, and I know a lot of people have said this, but truly, I feel Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Hathaway, is one of the best damn managers there has been since Bobby Heenan, and that's I'm, I, and I and I don't think that is out of the realms of silliness to say. He genuinely is one of the best in, damn in, managers. In, in the popular world right now, it's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous to say that at all. Malcolm Bivens is bloody funny as hell. He's got Twitter down on lock, not just in wrestling, but just yeah. on the internet in general. <laughs> and the fact that he's going to be doing a stand-up tour in a couple of weeks just shows you how incredibly funny the guy is. Oh, yeah. like It is a damn shame. Like, he is... I, 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 I genuinely don't know how you can be there and say well i mean we, we don't know how to use him we don't know what to do bro just let him be who he is <laughs> the man has like top top two hater energy of all time <laughs> you'd think for, a, for if for there a... is a, if there is a person and he knows a single thing about them he will find a way to hate on them <laughs> yeah You'd think for a guy who, or for a company now that's a very social media focused in trying to, you know, not only just like get other wrestlers over, yeah, and but, stuff, but also but to even, even announce that, events, even that, like even that, just just they say like, oh, we focus less on the wrestling, more on the entertainment aspect. Okay, yeah, you yeah. you still have you still have this man who is very good at being entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you remember seeing like the the P Diddy uh, tribute he did for the cruiserweight title? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> this is a this is a man who who won who his team won a tournament and went. You know what my my goal I have to do is I have to millie rock in front of the title in front of the trophy. Yeah. Yes. This no, is you... this is the level this man's mind is on. Now you tell me, Rid, that that doesn't scream the best manager of all time. I mean, what can I say? Like I can't, I can't lie. When he did it, his melee rock was fucking awful. But like, you know what? We'll allow it. <laughs> we'll allow it just this occasion. And and you know, and it's just the small things of like when um the Creed brothers got their got their tag title shot, and he roams like he comes out with the. Never give up town goes, nah, you should on the other side. <laughs> like that's the thing. That's literally that's literally it. Just let him 
do his thing. You don't need to do anything else. It's not, as I keep saying, this wrestling thing isn't difficult all the time. You can't teach that. You, you can't teach that. <laughs> uh, I mean, on the other side of that, another one I'm very disappointed in that, you, oh, I couldn't see what they didn't have for them is Dakota Kai. The fact that Dakota Kai never got the NXT Women's title is ridiculous to me. That's that's yeah. that's that's crime. That is a crime. Like, like we 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 should have been here. <laughs> yes. They 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 had they had so much in there. You could have a run face. You could have a run heel. I personally think she'd do the best working WWE in the heel t- in the heel periods. Yeah. Um. And, you know, they, they decided to go Raquel Gonzalez instead, you know. Make of that what you will, but... It, it is what it is, but, like, they, they should have... It could have even a, been a good uh, restarting point for NXT 2.0. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, you know, it... it you know, you got, you've got Dakota turning face, bring back the whole team kick thing, and then, like, her... Her previous entrance music, which was like the really like electronic stuff, mm. <clears throat> would have been really cool. And it, it's a shame, but obviously, you know, I can pretty much guarantee she'll be able to go anywhere. Yes, wherever long- that is, I don't know. As long as she can reclaim her title of the big dog and you know piss off Johnny from New Legacy even more, I'd be incredibly happy for her. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if um, future oh. inaugural DPW Women's Champ. Oh, could you imagine? So, if she like, up you, you know, like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? Oh, make like, that who, who, happen. Who knows? Make who who knows? Happen. Who knows? Like, one that really shocks me. Uh, another one is Dexter Loomis. Mostly, well, a because he's well, you know, he he's been quite a popular <laughs> member of the NXT roster. But b he was right in the midst of a storyline. <laughs> As we've already established, that does not mean a single fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no, because I was thinking about it, right? And so, Dexter Loomis was in a storyline. And so was um, Persia Parada. Yes. They were in the same storyline together on opposing sides and have now been released. <laughs> Basically, they're going to make out in storyline that Indy Hartwell killed them all. Maybe I mean I wouldn't be surprised, but like you know, it it, it, it it's it. it's really confusing. There were other names on there. Um, I think they were mostly people who. I mean, again, I haven't been following NXT 2.0, so I don't know everything that's been happening. Obviously, oh. I will be saying the release of Persia Parotta is not by justice. Yeah. Um, so I'm not happy. Harland is a surprising one, mostly because everyone, you know, Parker Poor Drow, a lot of people. It's surprising saw him. because they had him on a whole six month promotional run before he even got in signed. Exactly. And the peop- and the and the build and the hype to him was, oh my god, this guy's gonna be Brock Lesnar. Cause I remember, I remember we remember I think we've covered it before about how did, they yeah. kept saying like, Oh, I'm coming to the WWE and we're like, when? <laughs> Exactly, and then he, then he had to, when. then he had his head shaved and was part of the woke society with Fox oh, News. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe I Gacy see. gained the power of the Undertaker's old druids. <laughs> I say that, but Joe Gacy's awesome, and he's actually doing all right, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, even though that weird push from off of the bloody ledge on on on, on the last uh, one of the uh, previous NXTs was weird. <laughs> yeah, I, again, like I said, I haven't been. B Tech Tom Campbell, wasn't it? It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's what Joe Gacy's being called. It's like I was saying to my friend, is the only re- the only reason I know about that whole uh Dexter Loomis, Duke Hudson thing is because um I watched the NXT before WrestleMania. <laughs> when I was up with the UWP boys, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> so uh... I'm not gonna act like I understand now, but you know it, it's it's disappointing. It's just heartening more than anything else. But yeah, and again, you know, I can a... I can I can assume that all the people, you know, the major players out of this, Malcolm Bivens, if he decides to just scrap wrestling all over altogether, he'll be fine anyway. Mm. I do hope. I sincerely hope he stays in wrestling, though. So wrestling world is better with Malcolm Bivens in it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Maybe he wants to link up again with MJF. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine the ultimate player haters? <laughs> oh no! Now you've put he, he, he's, he's only he's only he's only allowed to return with MJF though if he promises to wear a Burberry do rag. <laughs> That's cursed. That is Man. cursed. That is oh. Uh, I'm not happy with you, Dan. Uh, I'm not happy with, you with that one. <laughs> that is a man who will instigate on another level. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is that is very true. Thinking about it, though, thinking about all of this, though, this is going to be the first in a very long, big tidal wave of of more releases coming. And again, they're yeah. going to chalk it down to budget cuts, which always. Is oh just yeah, I know. Off. John Laryngitis is going to be like, "Sorry, budget cuts, kid." Um. And then, uh, as I keep maintaining, I was talking to yesterday. I think it was last night that I was doing it um, again to some people over at the UWP Discord server. If you want to go find them, find them over there. Um, where I keep stressing, what budget cuts, my brother in Christ? You are a multi-billion company. Yes. <laughs> my brother in Christ, you are posting record profits. <laughs> The sh- the Saudi shows alone are enough to make, make like, you pay for your entire roster. So because like on. the thing I was saying is right that these are all NXT contracts. Yeah. So like in the grand scale, the operational cost can't. I mean, obviously they'll be making a saving by doing this. Probably quite a significant one because they were all relatively significant people in the context of NXT 2.0. Mm. But. You know their contract value can't be much compared to like even someone who's low card on main roster. Surely, like I can't imagine the grand scheme that this is. These are like necessary budget cuts. Mm. I, I, um, it just you know, like, to the thought process. Is it basically they're looking at like do they have like a like a roster or a tier list, or do they literally just point their finger and just and poke at random? It's, a, it's just trying to understand the rationale behind the budget cuts because obviously, you know, if if you're, so I do know that there you is know, if, if you if you if you are failing financially, obviously you want to offload big contracts, mm. Mm. and that's fine. That's that's completely understandable. If you've got people who are saying they don't want to re- resign, that's fine. You can you can account for that. <clears throat> 
But, you know, outside of all of them, I would have to assume the two with the biggest contracts were probably Dexter Loomis and Persia Parada. Maybe? I mean, I'm assuming Dexter Loomis because, well, he got, had two and a half years in NXT at this point. Uh, I would probably say Kai then would probably be one of the highest earners. I mean, she's been there since 2016. Because I would, I, would I would say Dakota Kai is probably the highest earner and then probably Malcolm Bivens. Mm. But they, they both chose not to re-sign. Mm. So then you're left with Dexter Loomis and I would assume Persia Parada, Persia Parada because she's had to move all the way from Australia. So they probably had to offer some good money to get her to do that. Yeah. But then like... You know, I I I have to question what position, what financial position they're in to be offloading those contracts, and then all the other ones beneath it, who I believe are people who are mostly working level up. Yeah. Some so reason, you know, it, it it seems it's it would almost seem like they're trying to hit a certain bottom line. I do know that there's yeah. an investor caller call coming up very. Oh soon yeah, I've heard them, that there so. is. So maybe it's 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 a strategic way of moving like moving certain digits here and there to make it. I think look. I think I, I would probably say it's an investor fattener. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm imagining in the capitalism. Couple, oh, I can definitely say in the next couple of weeks that we're going to see more. Oh yeah. And yeah, there's yeah, probably yeah, going to yeah, be probably. even more surprising ones. That's just I, I'm well, going to say gonna, it. I was going to say I was going to say I was surprised not to see Roddy's name up. Same. I was very surprised. Maybe because they they try they're going to keep a hold of him because they don't want him to go to AEW. Mm. I I really thought Roddy's name was going to come up. I am, so. I'm not going to predict who's going to come up next, but I'm really worried for a certain set of um talent. Is it uh, is it fair for me to say someone who <laughs> I would like to see be granted possible release? Mustafa Ali? Uh, no, GYV. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what, legit, actually. I mean, I love, like, Zach Gibson and James Drake. But oh, they, I, they, I love them. They, but they are, personally, personally, I would say they are wasted on the US. They are. They deserve better. <laughs> they genuinely deserve better. Um, But I guess while we're on the topic of WWE, we'll just quickly talk about um, the other major bit of WWE stuff before we quickly move over to AEW, uh, which is the announcement of the name Clash at the Castle for WWE's premium live event in the UK in Cardiff, Wales. I didn't know that WWE did fun fairs. I know. <laughs> this this feels like a proper old school in British show. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the font? For, yes, for, for the I logo. have not seen logo. Okay, let me describe the font to you. It's giving two thousands TV show about King Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah on CBBC. Yeah, and you know, the moment you said that, I was like, "Does it look like the show Raven?" Yeah, yeah it, it's giving it's Raven, giving... but not the oh, wrestler okay. Raven, the British kids TV show Raven. And yes. let your challenge begin. <laughs> Yes. Quote not even never the more. No, that that that's oh. that's that's that that is a crossover I don't want to see. <laughs> All right. All right. But yeah, it, it it's it's giving it's giving all of that and as I as I've said to many people I know it's giving rebellion 2000 vibes. <laughs> <laughs> like I I I don't get the feeling there's going to be anything super major. Yeah. It's going to be, a, uh, and the shame. The shame is right because I I always say this: if WWE 
put stock into actually building the profile of NXT UK, we could have been in for something really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because could you imagine like an NXT UK versus W, like, you know, main roster thing? So yeah, basically, absolutely. when worlds collide, but just with much Yeah, like worlds states. collide, but on a bigger scale. Yeah. Because we could have, I mean, like, obviously things have changed now and. <clears throat> Oh yeah, and all of me... that. <laughs> but we, you know, we could have had like Volta versus Roman at the Principality, mm. which would have been amazing. Which would have been great. I mean, they probably would have wanted to go Drew anyway. But like, you know, like you know, regardless. Oh no, no, no! We're getting Drew versus Tyson Fury. At... <sighs> I, I, if that's there. actually the if that's actually the match, then I I feel so sorry for everyone that spent their money to go to that event. <laughs> But genuinely be- i i feel so sorry for every person that paid money for that but not before tyson fury goes up against ufc heavyweight and star of jackass forever francis Ngannou. <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say tyson fury versus paddy pimblet <laughs> which to be fair i would love to see that 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 would be a match <laughs> that would be that would be just Honestly, if that was to ever happen, that would be a that would be a top level promo battle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, look, we're getting the yeah. show. Thank goodness. I mean, look, that's the thing. The show. My friend was like, "How are they gonna sell seventy four k on like a on like a B show?" And I was like, "Well, you see, it's the first named live event the WWE has done in the UK in twenty plus years. So I think that will be enough." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The support over here is very, very strong, uh, and people want literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I'll take a siege show at this point. <laughs> like, that's 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 the thing. NXT uh, level quick- up at Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to quickly move over to AEW. <laughs> um, so, personally for me, this week's Dynamite, I quite liked it. Yeah. I wasn't like a super sticking in my head. There were lots of really, really cool bright sparks. Uh, obviously, Dax versus Cash. Outst- absolutely fantastic. Outstanding match from the pair of them. But uh, as we said before we recorded, it basically just was the Bretton Owen Greatest Hits compilation. <laughs> and yeah, there is it, was no- a hi- it was a highlights compilation, but I'm not mad at that. I'm, no, far from it being mad at that. Tr- tremendous match. Tremendous. Uh, and then I, I personally quite liked the ladder match. Mm-hmm. There was maybe uh, a little too much at times, and like a little bit of confusing things where I was like, "Ethan, Ethan Page, where are you? You, yes. you know, you are here at ringside. Why are you not doing anything? <laughs> Why is Dan Lambert getting involved? Why is Page Ranzat involved? Why are you not involved? Like, come on!" I enjoyed it. <laughs> in in the end. The, cho- the, the the they chose wisely by making Scorpio a two. They absolutely, piece. they absolutely did. And now we're getting Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian, which is going to be nuts. Which is going to be great. Um, I'm I'm all for that match. Uh, and then obviously it's looking towards setting up who's going to be the next major competitor. Potentially the next major competitor. They might have a series between him and Kazarian, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> really, it comes down to who's going to be next in contention for that TNT title. Um, 
and this is the and this is where I come to say, like a lot, I've seen a lot of discourse saying, well, the TNT title's just lost all of its value now. Is that well, hold on the sec? Do you see what we're potentially getting down the line? Well, I'm here, thinking TNT titles in very bloody good hands with Scorpio Sky. <clears throat> well, because here's what I was saying, right? Is that obviously them doing the whole flip flop devalues the title? It does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, it's it's a shame because for the most part, for pretty much the entire part, uh, AEW stayed away from that. Yes. <clears throat> But like you know, it, it's whatever. It's happened. I assume they're not going to do it again. Mm. So I'm willing to err on the side of confidence. Yeah. Uh, my only thing right now is keep Sammy Guevara the fuck away from it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, re- like oh, don't don't let this man in like a 500 mile radius of it. I think you need to really reevaluate what you wanted to do with Sammy because I think the way they wanted what they wanted to do has not worked. Him, him winning it back was an awful decision. It was a good ladder match. Um, yeah. But, and um, his reign was weird, and of course winning it back, doing the hot <coughs> potato just made no sense. So whatever original plan they had, it just it did not work out. But no, I say is go back to the drawing board um, and work on something that probably benefits and plays to Sammy's strengths just a little bit more. Yeah, so what I'm, so what I'm saying is uh, we've got Scorpio Sky now. Um, Crazy, isn't it? If, because of that, the, Dan Lambert's timing... now babyface. I know. Like, literally imagine that. <laughs> I mean, it's the thing I said about Sammy Guevara. I was like, look, <laughs> I know people People tell me that he's getting heel heat on me, but it literally got to a point where I was like, no, you just remind me of those annoying couples at school. Like, I just want you to get out of my way. Yep. Like I'm, I'm just like no, I, I don't care. Um, so here's what I'm saying. I think if they're not gonna make the, if they're not gonna make the push, get Eddie Kingston on that TNT title. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, if you're looking to, you know, mix it up a little bit more. Then I would say, personally, I want Scorpio Sky versus Buddy Matthews. <laughs> oh yes, please. So decide oh. that how you wish. Or Scorpio Sky versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yeah, I mean. Or Scorpio Sky versus Keith Lee. <laughs> but I mean, look, 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 just do this. This, Tony, if you listen to this sort of stuff, just. Just, just go with these matches, all right? You won't build Scorpio up to be a really good, credible champion. Have him have some bloody bombs. No, so have some great matches, I should say, with all these guys. And then if yeah. you're ready, and if the time's right, and you look at someone and they're ready for that title, give them the title. Um, and why it should be Danhausen? Yeah. Be... <laughs> <laughs> um. I haven't actually got round to finishing um, Rampage yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I did see of the uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott versus um, Darby Allen match was all, all pretty good. Great, great qualifying so it, match. It, it's basically what I'd expect from the two of them. <laughs> 
uh, and obviously I saw that uh, Hook and Dan Housen were going to have a confrontation on them on it, so I was like, yes. And Dan Housen immediately regretted that decision. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Samoa Joe had a great match, you know, as per usual, because it's Samoa Joe, so come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then for anyone that didn't watch uh, Dark Elevation, which is probably a lot of people, I only watched them because of these two matches. There was Minoru Suzuki versus QT Marshall, uh, which was basically just, hey, do you want to see Minoru Suzuki beat up this guy? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Konosuke Takeshita versus Brandon Cutler, which was great. Uh, Takeshita is brilliant. I hope everyone that comes to see him that hasn't seen him before in DDT uh, comes to realize just how goddamn good he is. Oh, it's so good to see Takeshita on a much on a massive platform like AEW. Konosuke Takeshita TNT champion. <laughs> Book it, Tony. You fucking coward. The based choice. <laughs> Would be Pokatan. No, um, that's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is us done with the news. Lovely stuff. Reardon, do we have something for recommendation corner? I imagine throat lozenges, but is there anything else for recommendation? Yeah, corner? The, um, I recommend plenty of water and rest. But also, guys, how do you feel about shoegazing? <laughs> uh, I quite like it, actually. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> well, you're in luck. As I was um, leading up to, you know, this thing that we're doing with, with our buddy, our pal, Scott Steiner, I discovered a band called Curve. <laughs> Curve is a shoegazy kind of rock band from the 90s. Quite think kind of like they were not the most popular, but they were very good. And during my travels, listening to their discography, I discovered a song called "This Called The Color Hurts," which is Scott Steiner's theme in WWF almost exactly. It is madness. It is madness. Jim Johnson. Listens to shoegazing confirmed. Like, this is my, like, uh, I, I cannot emphasize so, enough, listener. This is, this is just bringing me to, uh, like, I know these two intersections are completely, like, not related, but it was a thing that came into my head. Because <clears throat> you're saying about, like, uh, Scott Steiner, like, Scott Steiner shoegaze. And it came into my head of the concept of someone trying to create Scott Steiner ASMR or like uh, Scott Steiner lo-fi music. There's no such thing as lo-fi with that man. That's the opposite <laughs> of lo-fi. And I, in my head, I've just got this idea and I'm like, I can't release this into the world. Well, you did. Give it's going to be a thing. Mic. No, but like not, but not, but not even like that though. Like as in like lo-fi beats with like Scott Steiner promos happening on top of them. Lo-fi. There's beats no way this will properly work. But like, just like, oh, lo-fi beats God. to Scott Steiner too. <laughs> <That's>... Incredible. <laughs> uh, so. so... Yes. That is my recommendation. I swear, at some, at some point, God needs to punish me for my hubris. You do. You, you <laughs> will be punished. 
and you will deserve it. But that is my recommendation. Listen to the band Curve if you're into the kind of shoegazy, more industrial kind of sounding. Basically, I do you like Nine Inch Nails? Do you like garbage? Well, you're going to love this. <laughs> and I know a few Curve heads are probably going to like hate me for saying it, especially <laughs> considering there's apparently, apparently there is some like tension between like completely one-sided from what I've, I've from what I've heard on like curve fans with garbage fans which guys okay. come on they're both great mm. like yeah come on another recommendation listen to the band garbage <laughs> garbage band is one of those bands that I like forget about for some mm. reason and then I'll I'll like be like randomly like on my way back from work and it'll be like I ain't listened to garbage in ages, and then it'll be the only thing I listen to for like four days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're definitely that kind of band. So yeah, those, those are my recommendations. Good stuff, Raiden. Also, I recommend everyone to watch Chris O'Brien's feature-length video essay on the year 2000 in wrestling. Um, I say that because I actually helped with the title sequence as well to that video. So, yay! Hi, everybody. Awesome. It's great watch. It's two and a half hours of just how that shit insane 2000 was for wrestling and not just wcw you know it, it's one of it's one of those real crux years basically we blame mitsuharu masawa for the way indie wrestling is now oh yeah i thought you were gonna blame him for something different but right. <laughs> i mean there's there's a lot of things we can blame mitsuharu masawa for for the fashionable like, trait like of dropping people on your head I was, I was I was gonna say probably the amount of influence he had on uh, the amount of work that neck surgeons had to do in Japan. <laughs> Ladies, he's putting my kid through college. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now come here, give me your come here, give me your head. I'll bite the shit out of it. Anyway, that is my that is my little little advertising slash recommendation for this week. But with all of that out of the way, look. Gentlemen, it is time to talk about Scott Steiner. Are you excited? It is time to enter the Steiner zone. <laughs> the line where f where fiction and reality blur. Yes, gentlemen, are you ready to talk about Scott Steiner? No, no. but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, we're here. I've started the car. There's no turning back to Winnipeg. There we go. For all of us now. So, are you... so we're going. We're getting straight there. Gentlemen, let us begin with the retrospective of one Scott Carl Recksteiner. Born on July 29th, 1962, Scott was a, uh, well, in his early years, was quite the uh, was quite the athletic dude and was actually mas a master, believe it or not, and surprisingly, of wrestling. Uh, he wrestled in high school uh, before getting a collegiate co uh, scholarship to the University of Michigan. Now, little fun thing here that I nav I I I don't want to say uh, is true or false, but please do take it with a grain of salt. In my research of Scott's early life, there are a lot there are a lot of people that has that do state that when during his time in the University of Michigan, he majored in mathematical statistics. Now, please, I want to believe that with all... I want to believe that so much. But then I think about Scott Steiner math and a bit is someone pulling my leg. 
This is the thing. Ever since I've been told this, like, little factoid, I'm like, I want this to be real, but also I refuse to accept it being real. Um, yes. Unless in some universe Scott Steiner has confirmed this. I hope so. I've not seen anything or any video interviews or any interviews that that has that Scott's gone into his uh, like college degree. But from the the couple of articles I've seen, and of course most of them pick up um, their info from Wikipedia. People have said and have spread spread this that he majored in math mathematical statistics. So take that what you will. But what we do know for a fact that he is a three time Big Ten runner up after finishing fifth as a freshman, and in nineteen eighty six he became the NCAA Division One All American and placed sixth in the nation in his senior year. So he's got some credible chops to his uh, amateur wrestling career. That's for damn yeah. sure. <clears throat> oh yeah. I know, like, basically nothing about college sports beyond, like, March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I understand that uh, Division One means good. <laughs> from, from from what I've heard. So, please. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that NC, NCAA D1 is, like, national level competitor. Mm. And, you know... I don't know, because we don't have a comparison to, like, college sports in the UK, because university sports in, like... University <laughs> most of the UK is nothing. Is rowing, yeah. cricket, rugby, and... croquet. Because we only have one... There's only one... So, in the, in the UK, there's one... Um... There's one university team that play at professional level, which is Cardiff Met play professional football. I believe so, yeah. Uh, and then I know in Ireland, I think it's University College Dublin, UCZ. Mm -hmm. There might be some others in like other sports, but those are the only ones I know of, and it, it's hardly comparable. But I, I, as far as I know, that is a good thing. I've heard about D1 players in basketball, so... Yeah. Same, 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 same. But uh, yeah, so Scott was pretty damn was pretty damn talented as a wrestler, and uh, during that time, Rick, his brother, also wrestled uh, for the University of Michigan. And I'll get back to that and their and their gimmick in professional wrestling in a little bit. <laughs> so, in 1986, Steiner first began training in Detroit in in the Detroit and Michigan area, uh, uh, training under Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. At Torrio's Health Club in Ho in Ohio, and then eventually going to Michigan, being trained, of course, by Ed Farhat, who we all know as the Sheik. There it is. Of course, the guy responsible for Rob Van Dam and Sabu also gave us <coughs> Steiner. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think there was a tracks. do you think there was an e early period crossover where like Scott Steiner met Sabu? <laughs> I'd like to think so. I really I, like I, to I, think so. I would, I, love, I would love to see, love to have been a fly on the wall in that interaction. <laughs> oh, man, could you imagine? <laughs> the batshit insane things they discuss. Anyway, he would make his debut for the Indiana-based World Wrestling Association in 1986 as Scott Rex Steiner. So it's a, it's a, it's a which was a variation of uh, of his last name where it's spelled yeah. with an R E X instead of an R E C H. 
uh, as as Bron Breaker should have been called. What Rex? Yes, Rex Steiner. Rex, yes, Rex Steiner is like an illegally cool name <laughs> in wrestling terms. <laughs> so cool. Uh, but little kind of few months into his career in '86, um, Rex Steiner would defeat the Great Wojo for the WWA World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> the Great Wojo? Yes. Great Wojo. That sounds like a curse name for a chat show host. It really is, but he is quite a beloved name in the Indianapolis <clears throat> wrestling scene. Um, quite a legendary name in that scene, for, as a matter of fact. So for that to happen so early on in his career, a few months in, was quite a big, big deal for a... Uh, for Steiner. He would go on to hold that title until May 1987 where he lost it back to the great Wojo in Toledo, Ohio. And then he would end up forming a little uh, little little tag team with his trainer Dr. Jerry Graham and they would def- and they would go on to hold the WWA World Tag Team Championships, eventually losing those in the process in around December. And it was in 1988 that he would first venture off to Memphis, Tennessee, to the Continental Wrestling Association, under his real name of Scott Recksteiner. But then, soon after, he would have that shortened to Steiner. Uh, so he'd form a tag... T- it's, it's really weird that in his indie career that he didn't really team much with Rick. He would form tag teams here and there with kind of like makeshift, like, oh, look, you've got two guys here. We'll just put them together and make them form a tag team as mostly you know, bookers would do in the indies back in this time. Uh, but he would end up winning the CWA World Tag Team Championships with a t- with a partner called Billy Joe Travis, who would defeat the team of the Cuban Choir Boys. That's just... That's okay. that's a name. Okay. That's that is a name enough. That 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 is a nineteen eighties tag team name if I've ever heard. The, the Cuban Choir Boys. Okay. <laughs> um <sighs> you know what i love as well that they would they would lose the titles but then regain them uh back in june 1988 but then lose them again to i shit you not one of the uh, the one of the best tag names i've ever heard the rock and roll rpms wow <laughs> what were they called like in 30 33 and 45 yes no i wish they were 45 mike davis and 33 and a half tommy lane oh 33 and a half come on guys <laughs> unfortunately their third partner would have run on 78 but he was made of shellac so you needed a different type of title to put him on no, sorry yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> that was terrible no, 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 no. We're we're here. We're here for ni- for niche uh, physical media references. <laughs> so he would uh, jump hit in and out of the tag team division, going with other partners and different people, different kind of tandems and different duos to win the tag team titles over in CWA. But it was through this and through his time in Memphis that he caught the attention of World Championship Wrestling. Under the name Scott Steiner, he debuted in WCW during a backstage interview at the at the pay-per-view Shy Town Rumble, later being accompanied by his brother Rick, and he would he would end up in a losing effort for the NWA World Television Championship to IRS Mike Rotunda. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, he would he would start his career in WCW in singles bouts primarily on WCW before they decided of the grand grand idea of putting the brothers together to form a tag team. Oh, thank goodness they got the idea to form. Like, to like I said, sometimes wrestling isn't difficult. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was like, oh, these two are brothers. Ah, they both wrestled together at the University of Michigan. Let's make them wrestle together. Exactly. <laughs> Let them come out to the Michigan University uh, band chorus and wait them wear the varsity jackets. Perfect. It writes it fucking self. But they were going on a bit of a winning streak before losing their first high-profile bout to Kevin Sullivan and Mike Rotunda at Clash of the Champions 7. But they defeated them at a rematch at the Great American Bash in 1989. During this time, this is a weird thing I, I found out. They were managed at this time by Missy Hyatt. Okay. Uh, what? Did you know as well, and I, this is something I had to actually look through and go through the archives. I was going to say, they uh, also this were a company. Oh, I was like, at this time, did she dress like a cheerleader? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Okay, they, they missed an opportunity there, I feel. But I feel mm. WCW looked saw what WWF was doing at the time because the Steiners also came to the ring with a pit bull called Arnold. Because <laughs> they okay. saw the British Bulldogs now, and went. Now that's Matilda. just not. That's just not fair. That's just that's just theft. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that is just blatant gimmick infringement, isn't it? Oh yeah. Point? Would you believe it was from Also, the... the man's literally called the British Bulldog. It makes sense for him to have a literal bulldog. Exactly. I know. It doesn't like... quite. It doesn't quite fit the same with two guys called. I know. With two, with two guys called Steiner, and I mean, is there any connection between a a pit bull and the University of Michigan? Look, I know that Rick would end up becoming the dog-faced gremlin, but this is this is way <laughs> before that gimmick. Like. All right, now I have to look up the University of Michigan mascot. Would you believe it was through the Steiners actually that uh, that a um, that a young Nancy <clears throat> Benoit would actually make her debut in WCW? Oh, wow! Was this the? I think this was the thing I spoke to someone recently about because I remember there was a thing about uh, we spoke about a thing about Nancy Benoit where she she was in WCW and her name was just Woman. <laughs> yes, yes. Was um, that this period? That was this period indeed. So Rick ended up having a <laughs> like beginning a storyline relationship with a fan known as Robin Green, who would eventually manifest and transform into Woman. Oh. I'm I'm I swear I I am so confused by wrestling. <laughs> now I just want I because I searched up the this question uh, after I said it, and I want you I want you to think about how thematically appropriate this is for Scott Steiner, okay? Because you said I said what's the University of Michigan mascot? Do you want to know what it is? Go on, what is it? It's a fucking Wolverine. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes. <laughs> It all makes sense, mate. It is an even angrier and even hencher badger, which, to be fair, I don't think is that far off for Scott Steiner. <laughs> it's true. Scott Steiner walks out to the ring carrying a literal wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. 
Oh, so. Oh, also, its name is Biff. <laughs> you know, they say that all Biffs are created equal. But you look at the <laughs> University of Michigan's Biff and Biff Tadden from Back to the Future. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop. No, go ahead. Clash of the Champions 8 in 1989 <clears throat> would see them unsuccessfully um, lose uh, in a title match against the team of Doom. Now, if you know, if you listen to our Ron Simmons episode, you know definitely who yeah. th- th- that tag team, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, which women would uh, would align with after that match, after women cost the Steiners uh, that tag team title match at Halloween Havoc. Uh, actually, after afterwards, um, uh, they would also have a match. I should say at Halloween Havoc, nineteen eighty nine. Steiners would rock, rock, uh, rack up wins against the fabulous Freebirds. You know, the fabulous Freebirds that were washed up, may I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they didn't have Terry Gordy. Um, but with that, they would end up winning the Tag Team Championships finally. They would hold on to those titles for five months. Again, racking up wins with all of the teams in WCW. That is Midnight Express. They would have uh, like a couple of things with like with with four horsemen sting luger all of those peeps and then eventually losing it to doom again at capital combat which again just capital combat this is a hell of a name for it and i can't believe i'm bringing this up again i shit you not this is the same capital combat that had robocop in it oh that's the one based oh Oh, man (laughs) It just keeps it just keeps time is a circle it just keeps coming back to it robocop is. i said the more things change the more things stay the same <laughs> they would end up though steiners soon after that actually um uh, defeating the midnight express to win the nwa united states tag team championships and during their uh and during this title reign as a matter of fact this was when wcw had withdrawn riv- uh, from the national wrestling alliance and that was soon and it was hastily renamed the WCW United States Tag Championships. Of course Never they changed did. WCW. Uh, we, we also get Steiners as well competing in one of the highest rated War Games matches from old Davey Meltman uh, Wrestle, yeah. from Wrestle War 1991. If you want to know who else was in that War Games match, we had the Four Horsemen and Larry Sabisco defeating the team of Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiner brothers. It's a really good match, actually. I'm not gonna lie. It's actually a really good match. It actually came up in Joseph's 1991 video as one of his favourite matches. So that shows you I how don't... good that is. It's a great match, but for some reason, the thing of the Four Horsemen and Larry Zabisco is making me laugh. <laughs> Being accompanied by Arn Anderson, I forget that. <laughs> It's just the thing of the Four Horsemen and Larry Zabisco. Remember as well that this incarnation of the Four Horsemen had Sid. I mean, look, right? You can't. Im- you can hardly improve on perfection, exactly. but I think they found the way. <laughs> In 1992, after winning uh, the World Tag Team Championships on February 91, they ended up vacating the United States Tag Championships. And after winning, soon after, the IWGP Tag Team Championships from the team of Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki, they became the Triple Crown, the very first Triple Crown Tag Team Champions. 
Now, this was from the WCW New Japan Super Show in March of 1990, uh, uh, 1991, which also saw <laughs> Tatsumi Fujinami defeating Ric Flair to become a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. I don't care what anyone says, Fujinami looked goated with the big gold. Yes. We had Great yes. Musa defeating Sting. <laughs> and we had El Hakante, El Elegante versus... Curtis Hughes in the Tokyo okay. Dome. Okay. They went on after the Steiner brothers, may I add. Fucking Giant Gonzalez and Curtis Hughes. May I add, in a 64,000 sold out Tokyo Dome, did we get that match, Dan? Because that's exactly what you need on that wrestling card. <laughs> Oh. I swear, I'm never gonna. Uh, I'm never gonna understand like how <clears throat> two wrestling companies were like. Yes, El Gigante is exactly what I need right now. <laughs> now, this isn't to say that Scott wasn't carving his own path in the singles in in the singles division because he sure as hell during this time as being a tag champion was also being uh, slotted in in the main event position in singles matches. He ended up having uh, a number of chances at the World Heavyweight Championship and ended up, most famously, in January of 91, having a World Heavyweight Championship match against Ric Flair at Clash of the Champions, which ended in a time limit draw. Late 92, we'd end up actually having to see the Steiners temporarily kind of on hold after Rick suffered a torn pectoral muscle, and then Scott ended up doubling down on his efforts in the singles division. As a matter of fact, he ended through this time having matches uh, uh, teaming with Marcus Bagwell. <laughs> nice. And going up against uh, the Hollywood Blondes. Okay, uh, yeah. It's not a bad match. He ended up having quite no. a few good matches with Austin and Pillman. And shortly afterwards, in October of 92, ended up winning the World Television Championship. Steiner would later vacate the title when the Steiners decided, you know what, you're not really giving us what we can here. We're going to go and try and see if we can get like a better opportunity over there in New York. And in 1992, they ended up leaving the WCW after a heated exchange and dispute with uh, WCW Executive Vice President Bill Watts to join Vince in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, but I'll be, I'll be honest, though. I don't think there's a situation with Scott and Rick Steiner where it would ever be simple and calm and easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's... I, don't think, I don't think they have that capacity in them. That's very yeah. true. <laughs> so, over in New York, talent relation officials... Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard were completely enamoured with Scott. <laughs> and they pitched an idea to Vince for Scott to come in as a surprise entry into the Royal Rumble 93 and win the whole thing. And then moving on to win the World <laughs> Championship at WrestleMania 9. I but, can't believe we're in the wrong timeline. Oh, believe it or not, Vince kind of the idea, which is just stupid on his part, if you ask me. I can't me. believe we're in the wrong timeline. Because you know who he who we was trying to push it this time, Dan? Who was this one? It was, 90, it was 93, right? Yes. So... Think of another person who who's just come in from WCW. In 93. Oh, God. Who did he push? Who in 93? Yeah, that's a difficult one, actually. The Narcissus Lex Luger. 
Oh, oh Lex Luger. Because he needed to replace Hogan very quickly mid 1993. So. Oh, Americana. Uh, oh, yeah. Americana. Never I still can't believe, though, that we are in. We're in the cursed timeline. Yeah. We could have had Scott Steiner, WWF champion in 93. We could have prevented the new generation from happening. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, though, I question if that event had happened, would Scott be as unhinged today? And I don't know the answer to that question. That's a very, that you know true. what? That is, that's a question for the philosophers, Dan. Yeah, it? we'll <laughs> leave that to the end. I'm going to leave, I'm going to think on that. <laughs> so Vince wasn't keen on it, could watch it. But Scott and Rick said, you know what? We kind of want to, you know, remain as a tag. We kind of want to keep doing that sort of thing. We kind of want to keep having baller-ass matches. And I want to keep dropping people on their heads with the Steiner screwdriver. Makes sense. That tracks. So, Vince, there you go. Kept them as a tag team and uh, began booking them as such. Steiners would make their debut or their television debut with a promo on the December 92 episode of Prime Time Wrestling. And they soon after, in January 93, would make their debut on, on Monday night. Rawr. <laughs> Hell yeah. So their debut in the pay-per-view would end up uh, being at the 93 Royal Rumble, where Scott was supposed to come in and win, but they ended up having a hell of a squash match against the Beverly Brothers. Now, if you've seen this match, which yeah. you can see on OSW Review, Scott Steiner was just fucking ruthless. He just threw the bastards around and then decided, you know what, I'm going to go for a Frankensteiner and drop the Beverly brother on his fucking head. <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scott Steiner said, we on the King's Road now, boy. We ain't getting off. <laughs> uh, I, well, it sounds to me that Scott Steiner decided, you know what, let's begin how we're going to end. <laughs> Scott Steiner really just went in and went fuck your head <laughs> and every, and, the, and the shoulders it walked in on <laughs> so after this they would end up making their Wrestlemania debut at Wrestlemania 9 at the Caesar Palace car park uh, in a quite a, yep. a stiff as hell tag team match it against is. the head shrinkers the team of Sabu and <laughs> Fatu holy crap did these guys kick lumps out of each other <laughs> you know Scott Steiner ran out on safe worker <laughs> <laughs> great match one of my favorite one of the longer matches actually on that card yeah uh, i believe the i think the longest match because of course he has to put himself over brother is the money inc mega maniacs tag team match for the tag yeah. champion oh of course <laughs> and then later on the night i have to put myself over brother yeah, it's exactly yeah. that. So after WrestleMania, the Steiners would end up feuding uh, with Money Inc., the team of Ted DiBiase and Erwin R. Scheister. And at the King of the Ring, 1993, Steiners and the Smoking Guns would team up to defeat the Head Shrinkers and Money Inc. in an eight-man tag team match. The following evening, in a Columbus, Ohio uh, house show. The Steiner brothers would defeat Money Inc. for the WWF World Tag Team Championships. And and one day afterwards, they lost it. Uh, the Money Inc. would regain it. And then one day after that, they would lose it back to the Steiner brothers. Awesome. Just take in the new generation, really. Just like, feel it. <sighs> Ah, uh, the Steiner brothers would end up having 
uh, a rivalry with the titles against uh, arguably the best tag team during the new generation, the Heavenly Bodies, Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. <laughs> what a name. Let, can we can we pause for a second and just admire that name? The only reason, I swear to God, the only reason he got that is because he could do the hip roll very seductively and very well. <laughs> And but, so you get called a gigolo, now, right? And now I want to, I want to, I, if you've not seen Jimmy Del Rey read, and I want to paint an image in your head, all right? Okay. Jimmy Del Rey is as <laughs> is as Smoky Mountain wrestling as you possibly can. Ginger hair, handlebar mustache. Oh, here we go. Hairy as all heck, mm-hmm. and a beer gut. Oh yeah, that's, that's the shit right there. That's that's the big money right there. Gigolo Jimmy Dump, and honestly, probably one of the most over guys in retro wrestling today. To, to I mean, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> but they would end up in a quite high-profile match against the Heavenly Bodies at SummerSlam in their home mm-hmm. state of Michigan, and walked away as hometown heroes and walked away with the win. On a September episode of Raw emanating in New York City, the Steiners would end up uh, defending the titles against the Quebecers, the team of Jacques and Pierre, in a Province of Quebec rules match, where the uh, title okay. could... This is now the rule is that the title could change hands by a disqualification. <laughs> now the match ended when the manager of the Quebecers, Johnny Polo, aka raven yes yes. a hockey stick in the ring and scott caught it when the referee saw scott holding the object he disqualified the steiner brothers and awarded the title to the quebecers proto any spot yes but also right (laughs) okay so was it was like the rules of quebec match the province of Quebec rules match. Province of Quebec rules, and he said the only distinction is that it can change hands by disqualification. Yes, with a big with a big plate of poutine hanging up in the air. Like okay, but what about count out? <laughs> what about count out? Like, uh, <laughs> is, is is that is that not valid here? Like, come on, we need to we need to set these expectations. It's 1993. Well, even in 2020, do you think Vince goes over the semantics of rule changes? Also, what the hell does Quebec have to do with being DQ'd? <laughs> because you know, Jacques. Someone Pierre. explain this to me. No. 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 No, Vince is not going to explain it to us. So why should we explain it to you, Dan? Daniel. You know what? Fuck you. (laughs) You know what, Dan? Just just, just live with it. Live with it. Okay, Okay, I will. I will. I won't be happy about it, though. Scott Scott would end up getting his revenge, defeating Pierre in a singles match on the following Raw. But Steiner, soon after that, would end up having single matches, and his only pay-per-view appearance in a singles match would be uh, the in the elimination main event of Survivor Series. That would be his one and only um, headlining pay-per-view appearance. Uh, he would end up teaming with Rick, Scott Star- no, yeah, so Scott Rick, Lex Luger, and Tatanka <laughs> to take on the team. Of Crush, Quebecer Jacques, Ludwig Borger, and Yokozuna. <laughs> now, I shit you not, the names of the teams, right? Luger's team was known as the All Americans. 
Okay. <laughs> and the other team was known as the Foreign Fanatics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Remember, Crush is from Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs> okay, all right. I just need a, I, I just need a, a like time to mentally process this. <laughs> Scott's last appearance, or final most notable appearance, would be becoming the number one entrant in the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble. He would eventually be eliminated by Diesel in that match. So, following on, and a few months after this, Steiner Brothers requested and were granted their release in mid nineteen ninety four from the W. WF. Now, before we get back to World Championship Wrestling, we've got to make a few little stop gaps here and there. First, to New Japan. So, as we both know, as we all know, the Steiner Brothers are incredibly goated. Actually, they are higher held in such high regard in Japan, especially in yeah. New Japan, for having incredibly great matches over there in, in, in New Japan. They... In in a weird turnabout sort of way, Steiners were actually allowed to work with New Japan whilst under contract with the WWF. So as was to... it probably some kind of like weird exemption left in, or like a a clause grandfathered in from somewhere else? Exactly, exactly. So they were able to keep you know making tours for Japan to Japan over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under contract. Right. Now of course I've told you about their uh, first IWGP title win against Hase and Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And they would end up dropping the titles to Hirohoshi Hase and Keiji Muto in November of that time. Okay. Of course. In 1992 as you, as you do apparently. In 1992 <laughs> they defeated the team of Bam Bam Bigelow and Big Van Vader. To, yes. to win their second IWGP tag title. That's impressive in Japan as well. Yeah. Mm. They would drop the titles to Scott Norton and Ludwig <laughs> Borger again. He just keeps coming. He cannot be stopped. In November, or November. I don't know how much I like psychologically hate the the concept of Scott Norton and Ludwig Borger. Like that actually hurts me. I think yes. that dealt me like psychic damage <laughs> that is it is a cursed tag team and tony harm uh, the man portraying ludwig borg is a very interesting person because not only did he have a number one single in finland he also ran for finnish parliament but we'll get into that another time if you ever want an episode of ludwig borg <laughs> to be fair though, we could do an episode about wrestlers that got into politics because that is that is a fascinating spread and a, a far more crossover than you would expect oh yeah that's You're just an episode talking great. about antonio Madoki. yeah yep <laughs> so and soon after they left the wwf in 94 they would return full-time for new japan but in 1995 they decided Fuck it, we're going to go to this new upstart promotion in Philadelphia called ECW. (laughs) Oh my god. They ended up having a match against the team of Dudley Dudley and Vampire Warrior, who we now know as Gangrel. Just, just, just brilliant. They would end up... No, No notes. No notes. No notes. You don't need to know. I mean, why would pure, one pure, of the... Literally vibes only. Why would one of the Dudleys be teaming with Gangrel? Who knows? 
it's it's ECW in 1995. Just go with it. I mean, I mean, soon after they would end up having another match uh, against Dudley Dudley, but this time he had two Cold Scorpio as his partner. <laughs> wow, that's awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> so they would end up making their ECW Arena debut on August 5th at ECW Wrestlepalooza, teaming with Eddie Guerrero <laughs> to take on Scorpio, Malenko, and Cactus Jack. Oh, okay. that okay. No, that oh, match. Okay. That match sounds based. That yeah. Is, uh, why have it, I never? Why have it, I never seen this? Tell me, it's a good match. Just tell me this. It's man. not a bad match at all. Like it's oh, generally not a goodness. bad match at all. A lot of it, of course, is kind of <clears> elevated <throat> by the work rate of Eddie and Dean. But of course, Scorpio's in that match, and then there's Cactus Jack, and then there's the Steiners. So come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad a match. I can't lie. If I was if I was designing like a match for me in nineteen ninety out of people and active in nineteen ninety five, that would probably be it. So, so the Steiners' most notable rivalry was with the Dudleys. They would end up having matches, and you know, I with Dudley Dudley, and then they'd end up having matches with dances with Dudley. Did I mention that the Dudley family is just weird in ECW? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lore to it. There is, there's a shocking amount of lore. I really want to make a Dudley. Lore. I really want to make a Dudley family tree episode. <laughs> so I, bad. That sounds legit. That sounds legit. Actually, I'd be fascinated by that. Can we? You know what? If we do that, though, can we turn that into a video accompaniment? Yes, we can. We absolutely will. I feel like we'll need to illustrate it while we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. one of their final rivalries, and I'm so glad they had a rivalry with this team, was with the Eliminators, the team of John Cronus and Perry Saturn. And, of course, these guys kick lumps out of each other. Of course <laughs> I was they... going to say. <laughs> so, our most notable match is at the Gangster's Paradise pay-per-view. Again, what a name for a pay-per-view. Wow, man. Incredible. Incredible. No, no, uh, no. They teamed with Taz to take on the Eliminators and uh, the, the and Jason. If I remember, Jason, it was Jason Knight. If I remember, is uh, if I remember specifically, uh, in a losing effort. Uh, but it was a it's a bloody good match. Of course, you know you got Taz teaming with the Steiners. I was going to say Taz and the Steiners sounds frankly illegal. <laughs> that sounds like a match that Dan made up in a dream one. Again. Time. That's like that's like if I was given power over like if there if there was a, you know consider this cursed reality where there's like SmackDown versus Raw 1995 <laughs> and I'm on Universe mode. <laughs> that's yes. it. That is. That is it. That is. That is it. Oh man! So it was soon after that in uh, after that that Steiner would make his final ECW appearance on October the 28th, 1995, teaming with Taz and losing. To the Eliminators. This brings us to his second, or his return, I should say, or second appearance in World Championship Wrestling. The Steiners rejoined WCW in 1996 and quickly won the Tag Team Championships from Harlem Heat in July of 96, but ended up losing it back to them three days later. Dull WCW. <laughs> <laughs> never change you never change and then you die so soon after this little tag team hot potato and of course the big storyline coming out of 1996 in wcw was the nwo and the steiners saw themselves in the crosshairs of the outsiders who had won the tag championships from harlem heat now this rivalry spans two years 
And they are, there were a lot of hot-dogging and hot-potatoing of the tag titles, but one thing was always remained true, that Scott Steiner wanted to kick ass, and he was going to take it out on Nash and Hall. <laughs> yep. yep. But at this time, the Steiners would also feud with other teaming duos of the NWOs, such as Vicious and Delicious, <laughs> okay. which was the team of Scott Norton and Buff Bagwell. Right. <laughs> Uh, I've just, I've, this is this is this is approaching like critical levels of WCW. <laughs> yes, and of course they would end up having matches as well with Harlem Heat. But it was during this time, late 97, 1998, that Scott Steiner we saw with the you know with the mullet, with the dark haired mullet, and the and and the and the colourful uh, singlet start undergoing a physical transformation. As we know that he cut his hair short, he grew a beard, then he bleached his hair, and then suddenly Scott Steiner, who was kind of, you know, despite the fact, you know, he was in a tag team, kind of very noticeable. You wouldn't, you know, keep, you know, keep much of an eye on him being in the tag with Scott, with, 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 with his brother Rick. But he got Jai fucking enormous in 1998. <laughs> significantly increasing his muscle mass and suddenly the the Pokemon evolution from the University of Michigan Scott Steiner to Big Papa Pump was born. He actually became like a cement block. Yes. (laughs) And it was because of this transformation that WCW in their infinite wisdom and Eric Bischoff thought, you know what? Let's, Let's have him feud with NWO member Buff Bagwell and the main crux of this storyline who has the better physique i mean but to be fair though with a man named buff bagwell like it makes sense that's gonna happen i'm not saying it's compelling but like it makes sense i mean i wouldn't put i wouldn't have it any other way with like trying to book buff bagwell I mean, who yeah. had it in their bingo? I'm just like ordered offside. Who had it in their bingo card for 2022 that uh, <laughs> that Buff, well, the Bagwell... Buff Bagwell would return to Twitter and be absolutely based? Yes, based Buff Bagwell. <laughs> like I didn't have it in there, but like, come on, I'm I'm all here for it. I, I mean, it's good to see him like on a re- on 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 the straight and narrow and on a really good recovery. You know, yeah. I tell you, man, DDP putting the bloody work in Dude, again. DDP is a miracle worker. Good to see. You. Good to see. You. If you're ever listening to this, buff, it's good to see you. On the, uh, good to see you doing so well, buddy. Anyway, soon after this, though, in this rivalry, Scott decided, you know what? I've had enough of you, Rick, of dragging me down. Look at me. I'm so big now. <laughs> I'm massive. Fuck you. Let's split up. I'm joining the NWR. <laughs> <laughs> and in February of '98, at Super Bowl Eight. Steiner attacked his brother Rick while they were defending the tag team championships against the Outsiders, and of course would end up becoming NWO Scott Steiner and eventually Big Papa Pump. Now here's the Scott thing. Stein Scott Steiner brings the counterculture. Now before he become Big Papa Pump, he actually ended up trying two different nicknames. He ended up adi- uh, he ended up becoming White Thunder in reference to his bleached hair and goatee. <laughs> No, that's awful. That's awful. He ended up trying out Superstar as a tribute and an homage to his uh, to one of his favourites, Superstar Billy Graham. Mm, it's it's too. 
It's it, too when on I the say, nose. When I, when I, no, when I say this, though, it's too normal for Scott Steiner. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, ha came down from the heavens as if God himself proclaimed it to him that he would become Big Papa Pump. Just... And it was from this that he began to further alter his attire. He would begin wearing shorts instead of the singlet now, and then came out wearing sunglasses and the chainmail headgear. And then came the tiger. <laughs> and Do... then came the fucking tiger. <laughs> okay. Do we have any explanation on the chainmail? No. Uh, the uh, in the, was... in, in, all I'm going to say is... Uh, in <laughs> in the words of the new Legacy Boys, where did Scott Steiner get the idea to wear the chainmail? And I quote, probably porn. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, it's true. You know, I mean, I mean, what what else? I mean, yeah. Actually, no. When now you think about it, the more you think about it, it's like, yeah, yeah, the big bad booty daddy. Yeah. Look, right. I'm. I'm. I just don't. <laughs> Like, right, how do you see this man roll through with just shorts, wrestling boots, and just chain a chainmail headpiece and sunglasses? It, yeah. It's the Scott Steiner. I've come to fix the sink. <laughs> it's, me try, it's me trying to make sure my equip load is low enough so that I can fast roll. Like... <laughs> That's a reference for any Dark Souls players out there. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Um, like, and I think this is just the thing. I've, I'll be saying this more than enough, but like, once we pass this point, Scott Steiner genuinely becomes a human cryptid. He really does. Yeah. It's yeah. from this and his teaming with Buff Bagwell in the NWO that we start to get Scott Steiner's unique promo stuff. Well, unique <laughs> in air quotes. Now, Scott... All credit where credit was an intense kind of dude, but it was a little bit more subdued in his early career when teaming with Rick and his University of Michigan days. Here, this is Scott Steiner unrestricted and uncensored. <laughs> this is where we get unintelligible Scott Steiner. And honestly, the wrestling world, the WCW as a whole, was better for it. <laughs> So this is where we get to 1999, when the uh, when NWO is disbanded, and we get Scott Steiner gunning for the World Heavyweight Championship. But Steiner would end up feuding in 1999 with Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page, Booker T, and Rey Mysterio Jr., ending with all of this culminating in a victory for the U.S. Championship and. The World Television Championship. Yes, he became a Eurocontinental champion before Kurt Angle did. <laughs> Scott Steiner, the real European. <laughs> but unfortunately, disaster kind of struck for Scott in 99 as he was sidelined with a back injury and was forced to strip to be stripped of the US Championship. And a December episode of Nitro, Steiner cut a promo to announce his retirement from pro wrestling due to this industry. Uh, due to the industry injury, I should say, industry. My, I can't use words. Uh, but <laughs> later that evening, he revealed that it was a swerve. And he was in, he was in indeed, he was 100% and absolutely fine. He turned and attacked Sid. And then, and then, of course, that was his heel turn. But even though he was already kind of 
heal. And Sid? Uh, we'd rather not talk about. It. I mean, this was WCW this is this is this is later years, Sid. <laughs> and he joined, of course, the NWO 2000 stable, which saw Scott, Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, Based. and Bret Hart. Based. But that one was very short-lived because soon after, Steiner would briefly join Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff's New Blood stable before switching to the Millionaire's Club stable, turning face for a little bit of a brief time. Of course, this is during the time as well that, if you've not seen it, gave birth to Scott Steiner's infamous purple hat promo where he absolutely yes. shat on Ric Flair. <laughs> I was get All right, let me do... Can I talk about this promo? <laughs> yes, please. This promo is so unhinged <laughs> because it goes down like seven pathways. Yes. But my favorite bit of it is when he's gone through the bit that is very, it feels very clear that there's one part, which is the scripted section, like the bit they expected him to say, and then the bit after. Mm. And then there's this bit where he spends like, 45 seconds maybe a minute mm. just talking about how he's gonna have sex with rick flair's wife <laughs> and there's this and there's there's this line which i think is just incredible i'm like paraphrasing here <clears throat> he says something along the lines of like while you're in hospital lying in your in your bed lying in pain your wife's gonna be in my your wife's gonna be in my bed screaming my name and i can't lie that line goes hard <laughs> jesus christ it, it it has such an unhinged energy to it though not least scott walking out to the ring in a purple pimp suit mm -hmm. with the yeah. hat and everything and that's not but then there's like there's like halfway through it there's just like this tonal shift <laughs> Yes. And all of a sudden, you can just tell that, like, this is the stuff that he's not expecting to say. He is just saying stuff. And hmm. it's just like. <laughs> you're just watching it, and you're just like, I have. It, it, it feels like <clears throat> you're watching a TV show, and then suddenly you've been skipped to the next mm -hmm. episode while you're halfway yeah. through another one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. you've accidentally hit, like, the next episode thing. And now all of a sudden you're midway through another episode you have no idea, don't remember anything about. Previously, on the Steiner's Zone. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your wife, Larry. <laughs> and now we return to the Steiner Zone. Anyway, as I was saying, what's the deal with Line P? That's like... Anyway, let me speed through some of more of this uh, more of his title reigns. He would end up competing in a tournament for the US Championship, ultimately winning that match in a fight in the finals against Sting, but also having a great second round match against Mike Awesome, where they both kicked the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, he would also feud for some bizarre reason with Tank Abbott. <laughs> I mean, then, I guess why not? And then his and, and his newly healed brother. Rick, all before WCW Mayhem in November 2000, Scott would defeat Booker T to win the World Heavyweight Champion, becoming a Triple Crown Champion in the process. So, in January 2001, Sky, uh, Scott Steiner, I should say, became the centerpiece of Ric Flair's lesser-known stable, The Magnificent Seven, now, 
Would you like to know the members of the of the Magnificent <laughs> Seven? Okay, wait, we're in we're in like late WCW, right? Yeah, we're right in the doldrums. This is like we're we're talking weeks before they go out of business. Okay, so I've got to think about who's left in WCW at this point. So we've got Scott Steiner. Now, who would pair up with Scott Steiner? That's late WCW. Was Booker T in it? Nope. Booker T would have been a face, so he would have been going up against the Magnificent Seven. Oh, okay, then. Um, late WCW heels. Um... No, not him. <laughs> Should I play the Jeopardy okay, music just, in the background? Huh? Just, 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 just hit, just hit me with it. Okay, so we have Ric Flair, leader okay. of the Magnificent Seven, second yeah. in command, Jeff Jarrett. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy muscle, the Steiner brothers, Scott and Rick. Yep. The heavier, heavier muscle, Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell. Oh my god! And the most. What's Lex Luger doing there? He was being the total package, Dan. And Buff had the stuff. And the one that you would never expected. Road Warrior Animal. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) One of these things is not like the other. Would you like to know some of the associated members of the Magnificent Seven as well? People that were kind of allies for the group. So, of course, we had Scott Steiner's infamous valet, Madeja. Yeah. Who would always carry a ginormous, cartoonishly sized lead pipe to the ring. We had Chris Canyon. Okay. Chavo Guerrero. Nice. Team Canada. Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. (laughs) And yeah. the trivia question for the one person who no one remembers in WCW until you mention their name, Mike Sanders. That name means, like, nothing to me. Good, because it never meant nothing in TNA either. Well, that name means nothing to me in reference to TNA. <laughs> so, of course, the last kind of final feud for the World Heavyweight Championship would be Scott Steiner and Booker T. And that would, of course, culminate on the very yeah. last Nitro Night of Champions at Panama Beach, Florida, which saw Booker T unify the US and World Heavyweight Championships. After WCW was purchased, of course, by the WWF, Steiner, unlike many of his colleagues, decided to not join the WWF and decided, you know what, I'm getting paid bank by AO Whale Time Warner, and so I will keep my butt at home. <laughs> but I mean, it's fair, it's fair. After this, of course, Steiner would end up joining the much, much maligned and infamous World Wrestling All-Stars, which we still no. need to do an episode on, Jabs. Do me? Must me? Yes, because it is... It is a thing of beauty, is wrestling World Wrestling All-Stars. Yeah, this is... A, we, we, we've mentioned this before. The, the, the dude... Was it the dude from Australia? A dude... Yeah, a concert promoter from Australia, yeah. I was like, yeah, wrestling's easy, and then realised wrestling is not always easy. Because he decided to make the Booker, uh, well, originally the Booker was going to be Vince Russo, but Vince was a little bit busy, so decided, you know what, Jeremy, JB, Jeremy Borash, you'd be the head Booker. 
<laughs> of course, Steiner would have very, very iconic and much beloved uh, championship matches against Nathan Jones. <laughs> and another match in Melbourne against Nathan Jones. Um, <laughs> and of course, Scott would not lose the title because he would end up vacating it in November of 2002, signing awesome. for the WWE. <laughs> That's awesome. Would you believe as well, a little fact here that I absolutely loved and I ended up watching, a, see, saw a clip of it, is that before joining, Steiner would end up teaming with his brother Rick to take on the team of Kensuke Sasaki and Hiroshi Tanahashi at a New Japan 30th anniversary show. I mean, look, I can un- I can understand that happening. The timing feels all wrong in my head, but I can I can understand that happening. Young lion Hiroshi Tanahashi, by I yeah. <laughs> so this brings us to Scott's return to the WWE in two thousand and two. He would make his triumphant return at Survivor Series at Madison Square Garden, cleaning house and and attacking Matt Hardy and Christopher Nowitzki. Before delivering a promo, as he he is picked up in the mic and in the in the, in the production office of saying, "Give me a fucking mic." <laughs> Incredible. Incredible beginning. Which, by the way, also established him as a face, which I think is mistake numero uno in bringing Scott into the WWE as the big puffer pump. How do you see this man? He goes, "Give me a fucking mic," and you go. That's a face, right? That's that's who the people want. People were cheering because it was Scott Steiner, and they were going to get the big, big, like the big bad daddy and raw. I was like, I was like, look, I know people. You can be there, and we can be there. Like we all love. In retrospect, we're all loving this. Yes, but like that man is just not a face. It's just that he's a heel. But we, you just cheer for him because you're like, what am I watching? (laughs) Just. Just come on, Vince. Yeah, I can't. You're no fucking better. But in the following weeks after his debut, general managers Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon would both begin to court Scott, trying to sign them, sign him to their respective brands. Bischoff was ultimately successful, as I read and I quote, after Stephanie rejected Scott Steiner's sexual advances. Okay. Sexual it's harassment. It's one of those. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's one of those storylines. Do, 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 do you remember? This was the time when Stephanie McMahon wore low cut, <clears throat> low cut tops because you know she had boobs. Yes. Yes, yes I remember. Did you know, woman? <laughs> woman. In ring. Oh my god! Like this is crazy, guys. <laughs> ah. So. Being on Raw in January 2003, he's out the gates running and immediately starts a rivalry with then World Heavyweight Champion Triple H and his faction, Evolution. Of course. And here is where greatness ensues. We get, of course, their world title matches at Royal Rumble and No Way Out. But before we get to the Royal Rumble, the very famous build-up with the arm wrestling match, the pose down, and the physical... Just basically weird challenges to to prove that Scott Steiner is indeed more muscular and veiny than Hunter Host Helmsley. 
And it's a it's a moment where I rewatched this, and I swear <laughs> to you, I I have never seen Triple H do the job more to Scott Steiner than anyone else, apart from maybe the Undertaker. There, as well as not, as as you can see that there's clearly there's clearly some reality to it is that these two do not like each other. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's some backstage promos. I remember one, I think it was the pose down one where like Triple H is flexing in front of a mirror and out pops Ric Flair going, you are absolutely perfection. Woo! I mean, he's losing his shit over Triple H being all muscly and wearing <clears throat> fake tan. And Scott's it's, come it's in. The thing, it's the thing I've said though, right? Which is that once again, <clears throat> WWE is absolutely unable to get over WCW. And, like, look, at this point, it's been, like, two years. Mm. <clears throat> I'm still going to say that is recent memory. Yes. Mm. You know, Scott Steiner was a big guy for WCW, so now him being in WWE is, like, a, is like a real gotcha. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is just so funny how they put so much into this and then the entire segment is literally like triple h gets absolutely shit on by scott steiner yes it's so like the arm wrestling match he just ends up injuring his arm the pose down is them just you know just grunting for five minutes before he gets attacked by a young mike knox may i add scott does oh by yeah. the way oh yeah casual racism from triple h in that segment he, he yeah he picks out one person in the crowd one of the i think oh, i can't remember who it was uh one of the uh one of the talents that were kind of planted in the crowd but one of them was a japanese wrestler and he called him charlie chang because of course he did wow wow and then we get to the royal rumble 2003 by yes. the way ah <laughs> uh, because of course you know then we get Booker T at WrestleMania a couple of months after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Triple H did not have a great reputation. Again, like he he didn't do he didn't do much to help us off. But now, but we get to the Royal Rumble. This 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 leads into my this leads into a point right, and it's a point I said at the end of the last at the end of the last episode when we were promoing this. Okay, <clears throat> at this point, <clears throat> they absolutely should have put the belt on Steiner, <laughs> but. They absolutely knew that they couldn't do it because they couldn't allow him to be the face of the company. Absolutely. <laughs> and I say, and I, and I say this not in a popularity or or any, or anything else way. I mean this in a business safety way. Yeah. It would be literally too dangerous to leave him as the face of the company and allow him an un um a mic feed that they could not control. No, like yeah. It's you can't do it. You just can't do it. His, his, his first things he said back live was give me a fucking mic. You can't you can't you can't do it. You can't do that. Oh, I don't know, you could. Ah <laughs> oh, man. I mean you, you get you get a lot of complaints, but you know it's See, but this is the thing I'm saying, right? Because at this point WWE was starting to make its move to be like hey look if we if we drop our age ring we'll get more viewers again because like the attitude here is kind of passed mm. <clears throat> you know tv tv networks are starting to crack down more and more on content 
you know, there starts becoming this whole thing where for some reason, like the entirety of society decides wrestling is like explicitly for children. <laughs> you cannot allow Scott Steiner a, a mic feed you cannot control. Even though I still firmly believe he was the right choice to be champion at that time, I understand <laughs> that it was too dangerous a decision. Yeah. But, and, and, and no more was that point proven than his two matches against <clears throat> Triple H at Royal Rumble and No Way Out, uh, where yes. Scott undeniably showed that he probably needed a few more months of getting back into the swing of things. Uh, yes. Because he... Because at this time, Reign of Terror Triple H, Scott Steiner managed to do the impossible and make the crowd cheer for Triple H. He was... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say off the pace, mm. but, you know... Um, he was maybe more... The pace was still in his kit bag that he left in the locker room. In Georgia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he left his fucking bag in the power plant. No, uh, <laughs> uh from what I've heard, Steiner had I think Steiner may have said that he was working little injured at the time as well, so hence why he wasn't at hundred percent and why he was gassed like two minutes into the match. <laughs> but yeah. unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't work and the plan was that they were going to have a trilogy of matches. Scott winning by disqualification at the Rumble, Triple H winning uh, at No Way Out via pinfall, and Scott to eventually win the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 19. But that didn't work, and Scott was actually not even on the card for WrestleMania 19. Yeah. Uh, of course, this he did make it into the roster for WrestleMania 19, the game that that's all the matters. He did indeed. Uh, and these matches were so bad that the Royal Rumble match was ranked as the worst worked match in the Wrestling Observer's 2003 End of Year Awards. So what um, did Scott do after this? Well, in April, he ended up feuding with Scott Nowinski, or Sc uh, sorry, Chris Nowinski, I should say, uh, in a debate over the Iraq War. Uh, excuse me? I don't remember this. Uh, yes, no, they actually right. had a presidential debate over the Iraq War. Because who to represent the United States better than Scott Steiner? Scott Steiner you know what? foreign you know, policy. You know what? 2004 Bush era America? <laughs> I mean, may I add as well that he was doing this um, state of foreign policy address in sunglasses and chainmail. Yes. Now that's a man I can trust. <laughs> Now, here's the question. Why wasn't he doing it with Kurt Angle? Kurt would been off. Kurt was injured at this time. He was off the, having the next oh, surgery after his match with Brock. That's a shame. That's a shame. It oh, would have been great enough. to have... It would have been great to yeah, have Kurt yeah, as the yeah. opposing side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, fair enough. Also, Scott would end up having a uh, having a tag team, performing a tag team with Test and Stacey Keebler as their manager. Of course, this is the time where Stacey became Test's like sort of like business manager and ended up coming up coining the term of tests fans being called the testicles. Of course. Of course. Uh, this would end up culminating in a rivalry, but with test and, and, and Scott with test turning heel and ended up having a match, a grudge match at bad blood uh, f to win the managerial services of Stacy. 
But uh, <laughs> Scott would end up winning that match, of course, and this ended up giving us very a very famous entrance of Scott, kind of perving on Stacy when she would do yeah. uh, doing the rope entrance, where Scott would sit down on the rope and just watch Stacy's butt. <laughs> Because, wrestling you know, the big bad booty daddy <laughs> wrestling scott would end up losing the services of, of stacy back to test in a rematch on raw and at unforgiven steiner would end up facing test again with stacy's managerial services on the line with the extra stipulation that if steiner lost he would become test's bad servant <laughs> Course, right. After Stacy Keebler's interference backfired, Scott Steiner would lose the match, and the tag team was reunited at Test's behest. And yes, Scott Steiner, chainmail manservant. Would Again, you believe? I don't, I don't know that I'm ends. ever gonna understand wrestling. This isn't the way this this ends. On a September episode of Raw, Scott Steiner decided, fuck this, and belly-to-bellied Stacey Keebler, resulting in Steiner turning heel and teaming the test. What? <laughs> Forcing Stacey Keebler to remain as their reluctant manager, as the t- as, as what I found in certain articles. Oh, gosh. But Mick Foley, on December, uh, would end up firing... Scott Steiner and Test freeing Stacey Keebler for her managerial duties. Scott Steiner's last match would be at the 2004 Royal Rumble, <laughs> lasting over six minutes before being eliminated by Booker T. Steiner would end up suffering a, f- uh, I believe it might have been a foot injury sidelining him, but whilst injured he would end up getting his future endeavours. Oh my god. <laughs> so, we can talk about Scott and his indie time, but he ended up jumping here, there, and everywhere. But he ended up having foot having foot surgery in 2004, having six screws inserted into his foot, a tendon Ugh. transplant, and a bone graft. Oh wow. oh, wow. So he messed up his foot big time. He ended up having matches with Rick, reuniting in tag matches in the indie scene here, there, and everywhere, before eventually showing up in TNA in 2006. Now, this is when we had, of course, the big rivalry going on with Jeff Jarrett's World Stable, if you remember that. Yeah. The... And Sting. Was it, wait, was it the world or was it Jarrett Planet? Jarrett Planet, Planet Jarrett. Planet Jarrett Stable. There you course. go. Uh, of course, they have set their sights <clears throat> on Sting. And at Destination X 2006, Sting wasn't coming for Jeff Jarrett. Steve Borden was coming for Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> this was ended up being revealed that Jeff Jarrett had an insurance policy. His bodyguard, Scott Steiner. <laughs> I mean, his insurance policies go in wrestling. I wouldn't say Scott Steiner's a bad bet, to be that's, honest. That's, that's sure. a pretty... Pretty good move. <laughs> True. He ended up putting the, uh, the Steiner recliner on Steve Borden. And then in future impacts in subsequent weeks, he attacked staff and wrestlers demanding <laughs> to be hired. You're Jeff Jarrett's bodyguard. I would think in storyline, he would have been able to ease his way into giving you a contract, Scott. I just love the thing of him going around to everyone except Jeff Jarrett asking to get, like, doing the, can you, like, hire me? And I'm like... <laughs> You work for Jeff Jarrett. Mm. It's crazy, isn't he it? He founded the company. <laughs> so, at lockdown, 
Stein, the team of Steiner, Jarrett, and America's Most Wanted lost to Sting, AJ Styles, Ron Killings, and Rhino in a lethal lockdown match. Steiner and Jarrett would then challenge Sting and a partner of his choosing to face them at Sacrifice on May 14th. Sting hinted at some uh, at some, uh, some uh, potential partners, including Lex Luger <laughs> and Buff Bagwell. <laughs> oh, and why, I shit you why not. Why is TNA so cursed? And I shit you not, he even teased Rick Steiner, who came out of the entranceway in the impact zone, my I as. Before like, <laughs> God. Just 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 TNA. <laughs> <laughs> just TNA. Before ultimately choosing Samoa Joe, and thus began the iconic long-term rivalry between Scott Steiner and Samoa Joe. And I quote... Oh, God, you're doing it again. You've done it before. You've done it before. And I quote, he's fat! (laughs) (laughs) Of course... We would, this of course storylines would be interwoven in this. Of course, uh, Steiner would go like Planet Planet Jarrett would dissolve. Christian Coalition would end up coming in. He would yep. end up becoming a special consultant for Christian Cage. Of course, of course, that would go off, and then we'd get the main event Mafia. And the... <laughs> I just love it. The right, let me ju- let me just say, I know we're talking about Scott Steiner here. The main event Mafia was one of the best things TNA ever did. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, and we course we get Samo- the the zenith of Samoa Joe and Scott Steiner's rivalry. Rick Steiner came back to tag with Scott with fair asses. Of course, we have the infamous uh, main event Mafia promo where they're in the ring being interviewed by Mike today and just met yeah. Scott Steiner losing his shit. We're going, he's fat! <laughs> I'll make him fucking bleed! <laughs> fat son of a bitch. I, I genuinely believe that they tried to script Scott Steiner and every time he just ripped it up in front of their face and said, just give me a mic. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, then like right. and then like Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle are just there like, oh my god, we might we might lose all our money in this. <laughs> <clears throat> and for a little little storyline around this time before the main event <clears throat> mafia, of course, we can't talk about Scott Steiner and TNA <clears throat> without talking about Scott Steiner and little Petey Pump. <laughs> His protege Petey Williams, who ended up yep. actually ended up aligning with one another after a feast or fired battle royale where both of them had cases and they swapped them. So awesome. Petey Williams had the NW or the TNA World <laughs> Heavyweight Championship title opportunity, and Scott Steiner had the X Division title opportunity. <laughs> That's awesome. And on Sacrifice 2007. <laughs> Of course, we would have the infamous <clears throat> triple threat match, which, <laughs> which, which, as we say, right? If you want to listen to me and read out Steiner math, it's all the way back in like I think episode thirteen. Yes, Something and like of that. course, like best and worst promos, we have, and we got the gift that is Steiner math, of which I want to address one point because I know someone's going to be there mention it, which is that the math still does check out because remember he added Kurt Angle to the mix but Kurt Angle wasn't in the match it was Kazarian I love what the Wikipedia entry says in this and I will quote 
During the lead up to this match, Steiner would make his now infamous Scott <coughs> Steiner math promo by saying that Samoa Joe had an 8 and 1 third percent chance of winning, while Steiner had a 141 and 2 thirds percent chance of winning. However, Kurt Angle fell out of the mix by suffering an injury, which rendered Professor Steiner's <coughs> arithmetic obsolete. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> We maintain that the theorem holds. <laughs> I just, I just love it, you know. You know, it's, it's some things just work out great, and nothing more than just that. Of course, with the main event mafia, he would end up tagging with Booker T every so often, continuing his rivalry with Samoa Joe. Remember the time where Taz came in and managed Samoa Joe, and Joe became a Samoan yeah. <laughs> savage with the penis tattoo on his face and a machete. I was going to say, this, this was, was it Nation of Violence? The Nation of Violence. And yeah, he had the whole the weird tribal tattoo on his face. It was awful. Uh, I think one famous promo was that Scott Steiner's doing um doing bench presses and Kurt Angle comes up. You know where Samoa Joe is? Well, I don't care where Samoa Joe is. What has he got? A sword? What is it? A machete nowadays? But he's coming after me trying to chop me in half? Oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I just love it. Uh Booker T, of course, as I said, would end up forming a, ta- a tag team of Scott. Uh, they end up becoming tag champions at one point, defeating Beer Money, losing the titles, funnily enough, at Bound for Glory to the British Invasion. Oh, wow, what a oh. throwback! The team of Magnus and Doug Williams, baby. Oh, Nick Aldis. <laughs> Kingsling's oh, finest, man. may I add, Nick Aldis. <laughs> yeah, not, not back at that time. <laughs> <laughs> He would end up, his final rivalry, Scots, would be against Bobby Lashley. Uh, ended up defeating him in a false count anywhere match at turning point. And at final resolution, Lashley would end up vanquishing Scott in a last man standing match. And soon after, in February 2010, he was officially announced as departing the company TNA. Thus ends his time in TNA. Uh, his golden years in TNA, might I add. He ended yeah. up having a couple of times here and there in Puerto Rico. He would end up popping up here and there as well to TNA. He'd end up <clears throat> being there in 2011, being part of the Immortal Stable. Oh, God, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> he ended up having a, uh, a t- teaming up with Beer Money, as well as forming a tag team with Crimson. <laughs> uh, he would end up, of course, as well... Uh, sort of, you know, having a little bit of a rivalry with Matt Morgan as well. <laughs> Before because they... that's really what the people want to see. Exactly. Before leaving in March 2012, of course, he would end up coming back to Impact, having a bit of a tag team with Eli Drake, which mm-hmm. again just seems awesome if you ask me. <laughs> just that was like... around the same time that the. Um... Was that near the time or before he started? He helped spawn uh, Big Mama Pump as well. <laughs> ah, a couple of years afterwards, he would end up uh, teaming or, or coming up with Big Mama Pump and teaming with Jordan Grace. Which I know in subsequent in the future they've had they've been in battle royals together, and it's just so amazing seeing the image of Big Mama Pump and Big Papa Pump in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta love it. Everything love is it. perfectly balanced now in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, of course, Scott ended up being in quite ill health and impact taping. As a matter of fact, he ended up collapsing during the taping and impact and actually had to be uh, revi- resuscitated with a defibrillator. Uh, 
Would you believe it, though, at the age of 59, Scott Steiner is still an active wrestler? I'm gonna put I'm gonna put active in air quotes. He's currently an active member of of the NWA roster. Ended up actually having a good match with Aaron Stevens for the NWA National Championship. (laughs) I I remember I saw one of his um one of the independent shows he appeared on like a couple years ago, and man, it was the thing. It was most certainly. Of thing, uh, and of course, this all leads to finally getting his just desserts and his and his you know his accolades. Right after years of being barred from the WWE because he threatened to, and I quote, kill Triple H if you ever saw him. The Steiner brothers Rick and Scott were inducted into the 2022 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. About fucking time. <laughs> Uh, uh, so uh, rightfully deserved. Something that when we all saw it, we were like, "No, nah, that can't be right." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Sam. You, Sam, you all know this one, but you'll know this one. Reader might not because you're not as active on Twitter. Um, you know that guy um, Tom that does the edits of wrestling cards. Yes. I straight up checked to make sure it wasn't him that made that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I... I was like, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. Uh, so <laughs> that is where we conclude our little retrospective on Scott Steiner. We haven't even gone into like the fact that this guy ended up having amazing finishing moves, such as the Frankensteiner. The Steiner, <laughs> That's what I say, right? The, the fact flat-liner. that this man invented the Frankensteiner is just insane to me. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't fit my head. That like, shouldn't be real. The Steiner recliner, <laughs> which again he could probably take or Gory Guerrero thank Gory Guerrero for. <clears throat> and of course, oh the Steiner screwdriver. See, is as I said on this podcast before, right? I just love seeing people get dropped on their head. And the Steiner screwdriver is a perfect version of that. Yes. It's infinitely good. more terrifying. Absolutely. Oh, so, chaps, we've gone down the long and sometimes unintelligible road of one Scott Carl Recksteiner. My question to you is, do you feel more enlightened now that you know a good portion of Scott's life? <laughs> I, I need you to hear me. I need to hear. I need you to, to hear me, Sam. Mm-hmm. We have been podcasting for around like a couple of hours now. Yes. You have explained absolutely nothing of how a man can, <laughs> like how a man like Scott Steiner can exist. There are still so many gaps in information, and there probably always will be. Yes, he is truly. You can say whatever the hell you want about him, whatever. I don't care. He is truly. What of a damn kind? There, 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 yeah, there will never be another Scott Steiner because I don't think it's possible for there to ever be another Scott Steiner. And nor should there ever be. Yeah, yeah. nor should there ever be. <laughs> I mean, like, like, I mean, I mean this, maybe... this man, this man is straight up the embodiment of all the best and worst parts of wrestling simultaneously. <laughs> is this probably what we're getting with Bron Breaker though? That's the question now. <laughs> no, but but here, but here's my thing, right? Scott Steiner is so close to what I think is the embodiment of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, for, follow, follow me with this, right? He's a guy who is an absolute man mountain, 
mm-hmm. that performs absolutely ridiculous athletic feats. Yes. Mm-hmm. That talks in a way that is that gets a crowd invested. Mm-hmm. And absolutely bleeds his heart for the business. Mm. But he also does all of those things to his detriment. <laughs> And the detriment of others, I would say. Oh, and the detriment of others, yeah. I'm looking at you, Hunter. Like, I think Scott Steiner is, is at times, one of those wrestlers that I add to my list of wrestlers who I debate whether or not they understand that wrestling is a work. But I think for Scott Steiner, that's less... That's less, like, a stylistic thing and more an act of choice. Yeah, like the idea of him knowing whether something is a work or not, it's not a bug for him, but a feature. Like, yes. <laughs> you know what makes me laugh? Eric Bischoff has gone on, on record uh, to say about Scott. I like what he could do in the ring, and his in-ring abilities were nothing short of amazing. But he was volatile in and out of the ring. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Again. Absolutely. <laughs> this man. <laughs> For like well over a decade, if he was ever asked a single question about anything to do with WWE, would turn into a way to just start saying he would kill Triple H. <laughs> yes, I can't remember what it. I can't remember what it was. It. It was some. It was something about. It, it was at something. It was at something like WrestleCon. Mm. And and he he went on this whole thing talking about like I think it was like the differences between WCW and WWF, mm. and then he just did this whole thing. It was like, well, you know, everyone at everyone at WCW was willing to like work hard, back each other, go like go the length for the business. Unlike unlike that bitch Triple H, <laughs> like he just found whatever avenue he could just to turn it into a I hate this man viscerally. Yep. Oh, you just love it. You just love to see it. And it's just it's just the funniest thing. And like we said about Scott Steiner, the Steiner brothers being inducted into the Hall of Fame <laughs> and us being like, well, I can't imagine they're going to give this man a live mic. <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly, they did. Amazingly, it, it, it didn't go wrong, and he just talked about his brother. Which I guess, I guess, if you're going to be make nice, just talking about someone who, from all of his history, genuinely, genuinely loves his brother, and they love each other, which is shockingly wholesome. Yes, for a man yes. like Scott Steiner, yeah. you say what you will. The man loves his brother legitimately. <laughs> it's a bond that is a born bond formed in blood and the blood of others. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, it, it it absolutely is. And like the and like the thing is is that uh, I think in a lot of ways you could look at Scott Steiner and ask like you know, is he is he the kind of person you ever want to like build your company around? I don't know. <laughs> but in in the same like way, like you can't deny that the man's entertaining. Yeah. 
Like you want, you do want to see Scott Steiner, even if it's out of sheer curiosity of like, I wonder what, I literally wonder what this man is going to do next. Mm. Because I do not know. Yeah. <laughs> Just like genuinely, this man is, is a cryptid. Just thank you, Scott, for being Scott. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is, and whatever side of the bed you wake up in, because <laughs> like I feel like if you were there and you tried to explain wrestling to most people, I get the feeling that something not far from Scott Steiner comes into their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he, he is the most wrestler's wrestler. I guess if you were to say if we were in the seventies or eighties, our answer would be superstar <laughs> Billy Graham. But nowadays, it's just yeah, Scott Steiner. Because, <laughs> <clears throat> like, I, I, I don't even know how else to explain it. It's just that there's this man who is just this, like, ball of muscle and unhinged energy that needs to find some release, but it doesn't know how to. So he decides to throw people about <laughs> is the best answer. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst coming down to the ring with a tiger. Because, yeah, but that, but that's it though. I I think I think he exemplifies all the best weird parts of wrestling. Yes. Scott's... Who who else are you gonna have that calls himself the big bad booty daddy, big papa pump, wear sunglasses with a chainmail hood, walk to the ring with a tiger, and have a fe- and then also later have a theme song where the main sound is police sirens. Yes. <laughs> like what? Like what else do you? What else do you do conceptually? And that's the way. That's where we're gonna end it. We're gonna end on that. We're gonna yeah. end on that. It's a rhetorical question for Scott Steiner. Yeah. <laughs> Chaps, it's nice to come down, fun, isn't it? <laughs> After that emotional, weird journey. Yeah, we're on. We're on the come down now. Oh, yeah. the, we're on. <laughs> I feel, man. I feel like I have. I feel like I've been. I feel like I've been at a rave. I'll tell you that much. That, that was a hell of an episode, and uh, one that I ended up just having a lot of fun. Just ended up watching Scott Steiner promos and matches. Like, remember when the main event mafia took over Impact and they fought in the infinite, their infinite wisdom to make Scott Steiner the announcer for the for the night. That segment is one of my favorite things of. All time. <laughs> well, at least they didn't make him commentator because who else? The world would never have been able to have seen Lord Chet Levin and Black Snow. <laughs> Lord Jesus. But don't, but don't, but don't forget though. There's that period where Black Snow gets in the ring and then Steiner is on commentary. <laughs> oh my God, Black Snow, Black Snow. Anyway, that is where. That that's where we're gonna end it. Before I go into my impression of Black Snow, which I will not do again. Uh, yes. For next, our next episode. Oh man. Chaps, would you believe it? Nearly a hundred episodes, and we are soon gearing up to our two-year anniversary. Madness, horrible, madness, scary. Not, don't like it, honestly. And we are going to do some special episodes that are no doubt going to anger the WWE-centric fan among our fan base. Oh yeah, because we're know. going all in on a all Yay. elite wrestling. 
We're going to start off with a career retrospective on the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Omega. Oh, man. I can't wait to get people angry at us because we like talk about Kenny Omega. It's going to be like my running with the Bucks fans all over again. <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to be talking about Kenny's uh, uh, days in Winnipeg, so eventually being signed to a developmental deal in WWE. We're then going to be talking about his indie resurgence and his uh, and his trip to Japan, which ultimately changed the entire trajectory of his, of his career, and again, the entire tra- trajectory of professional wrestling as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that to come out oh, as well of course we talk about the well people call the controversial 2020 for kenny omega some people liked it some people disliked it we'll discuss it we'll give you our opinions on it if you really want to know our opinions you filthy gremlins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of that is to come on the next episode though but all that's left for me to say is that i have been sam this has been dan and reardon and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We'll see you, as always, on the next one. I hesitated because I was trying to think of something Scott Steiner-centric, but I think I'll just leave you two to it. <laughs> we know they say all men are created equal. <laughs> they say all goodbyes are created equal. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> take it easy, everybody. I, I, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>